an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. What's your thought in terms of moving her out of your home? Do you have some line in the sand? The incontinence is a line for me. The reverting to having to care for her like a small child Mm -hmm. is a line for me. And I've dealt with tons of guilt about this because all along, I've known that there's certain things I just, I can't do or I'm not willing to do. And lately, in the last six months, I've felt like she's not safe with me because we've had a couple of falls. And But the guilt that I've dealt with has been horrendous. Even when I would look at a place, I felt like I was betraying her and abandoning her. And I never mean to do that. But somebody brought up to me recently, a therapist actually, your boys are losing their mom a little at a time. They can't afford to lose both parents. So you have to put on the oxygen mask and take care of you so you're there for them. That's the first thing that started to kind of brush away some of the guilt. Mm -hmm. That the boys do need somebody they can't lose me to. Dementia Discussions. Here to help and empower our heroic caregivers with knowledge and experience. Dementia Discussions with the caregivers themselves and memory loss professionals. Here to help with 30 years as a geriatric social worker is your Dementia Discussions host, Barbara Hammond. Hello, and welcome to Dementia Discussions. I'm Barbara Hammond. Today on the show, my guest is Snuffy Walden. I've known Snuffy for the last several years. I've had the honor and privilege of meeting Snuffy and his wife in his home through my care management practice. And Snuffy attended my support group, I guess, maybe a couple of times, although... A few times. Yeah, maybe a few times. I would say that probably wasn't the right form for you, perhaps, but we can get into that a little bit later. So, since I've only met Deb once, just give us a little bit of background about you and Deb, how long you've been together, and... A little brief overview. Yeah, a little brief overview of you guys. Deb and I met in 1987. I was just changing careers over, and and we met and got married about a year and a half later. I fell immediately in love with her. You know, she's she's just adorable. So we we lived over in Woodland Hills area, and we had two kids immediately because we were both older. Mm-hmm. I was forty, and she was thirty nine when we got married. So we had kids straight away. We had two boys who are now thirty and twenty eight. Mm-hmm. So Deb and I've been together about thirty four years now. And, you know, it's been a great relationship. I, I I got very busy with my career at the beginning of it. And she always told me, you just go do it. It's your time. Just go do your career. And she really maintained the entire household. And our boys went to school a long way away. And she drove them in two hours every day. And just a trooper. She was really a trooper and managed the whole household and was just such an integral part of what we did mm-hmm. that that now is markedly different. So, but mm. we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good entree. So, when did you start noticing changes in her memory? You know, in 2016, we were on a trip to London and it was around Christmas in London. And I had been noticing things, but I, it was more of uh, she telling me, you don't tell me anything anymore. And I'd say, well, you don't listen to me. So we were kind of having a bumpy road for a couple of years, and I couldn't quite figure it out. I just thought it was, you know, 25, 30 years of marriage. So we were in London in December of 2016, and my son, both my sons were with me and one girlfriend. And my son 
older son was going over to visit a girl in Ireland. And I noticed that Deb kept asking when he was going, when he was going, and is he there, and when is he going? And I realized then that she had some cognitive problems because mm -hmm. she just couldn't hold on to it, couldn't hold on to the idea. And there was a lot of extra stimulation. It was Christmas. It was London. It was, it was a lot going on. But that's when I said, we've got a problem. Hmm. And uh, we came home, and it took me a few months to get her diagnosed because she kept saying, no, I'm going to try hormones, and I'm going to try this, and I'm going to try that. She gave me a bunch of excuses. She didn't want to go to the doctor. I, mm -hmm. I suppose it's because she knew. I don't know. But I should have noticed it two years before. She quit riding, and she was a horseback rider, and she did shows. And she was forgetting the uh, the path to do the jumps. Hmm. You know, I should have guessed it then. I think in, in hindsight, I was pretty blind to a lot of things that came up, but I had no experience with Alzheimer's. I had no idea. And there was none in our family that we knew about. Really? So how would you have known? Yeah. Yeah. And it turned out to be genetic. She got it from both sides of her family. And oh, we really? didn't know that until we went to UCLA. So Wow. So both parents had Alzheimer's? Both parents had the gene. Mm -hmm. uh, she had both the genes up from both sides of her family. So, How old is Deb? She seems pretty young. She looks young. She's 70 now. So mm -hmm. she kind of had, had the card stacked against her. Mm. We just had no, no way to know, you know. And when she was finally diagnosed, was it Alzheimer's disease or was it a different well, type of dementia? it was originally uh, MCI, myocognitive impairment. impairment. Uh-huh. But the doctor pretty much told me from the beginning, it looks like Alzheimer's. And then once we went to UCLA for some test treatments, some experimental things, then we had to do a full breakdown of chromosomes and all that stuff. And that's when we were told it was it was genetic. Oh, was she in a clinical trial over there? We were. We were in a clinical trial for about nine months over there. Wow, that's the great. Good for you. I think we got the placebo. She kept progressing, you mean? Well, actually, she didn't progress as fast as she does now. It may have helped. I don't mm -hmm. know. They never mm -hmm. got back to us with all the results. So. Usually when it's done, they'll tell you which group she was in. So it was, yeah. huh, well, that's good for you. Good for you yeah. for doing that. We, we tried everything we could, you know, everything we think of. Are there other things that she participates in, in terms of programs for memory loss? No, no. People she still rides no. horses, but that's getting difficult to get her on and off. She can ride the horse, but. She can't quite put together foot and stirrup and those kind of things where you use your mind to calculate certain mm -hmm. things. She's, she's losing that. So. And that's something she loves. Yeah. I mean, she, she lost all the computer skills and all those kind of skills immediately. Really? Uh, but she kept her conversation skills and her light personality has begun to shine through again. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because she's not as aware. Mm -hmm. She was very angry for a while about the disease and upset about it and angry at yeah, me. And at you. Then, yeah, huh. the, well, the place where it came out, the right. place where it showed up. But just lately, the last month or two, she's kind of turned a corner with that. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you were the safe target for all her anger and probably sadness, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of that. She wanted me just to take her out or, you know, she would talk about with her brain gone, it was just not not worth living, things like that. And she doesn't go there anymore. Wow. In the moment. So she would say that, just take me out, just put me out of my misery kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Mm, that's got to be hard for you to hear and hard for her. Well, you don't do it, but yeah. But you just have to kind of commiserate. 
would you say things like just move on? I don't want to be a burden to you sort of thing. Not much. I don't think she wanted me to move on. (laughs) I think she wanted me to hang around for the party, you know. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. uh, She was definitely depressed about it. Much more in year three and four Mm. than recently or earlier. Did you seek treatment for that, for her depression? Yes, we did. Her neurologist gave her uh, Zoloft originally, mm-hmm. and then something called Seroquel, mm-hmm. which helped her with the anger and helped her with the acting out. I mean, she would never actually hit me, but she would throw things at me and get very frustrated. And gosh, you so know, it was never a, it was never a tire wrench or anything. So I was lucky; it was generally a Kleenex <laughs> box or something plastic. But uh-huh. it was still disturbing to deal with it. Yeah. Wow. So you were the target of a lot of her rage. Isn't that the normal way? Of course. Absolutely. Yes. How about your boys? Were they ever the target? She's been great with the boys. They gave me a little break recently, and she she's difficult only now with taking her pills. She just, she'll hide them under her tongue. She'll put them in her pocket. She'll do anything to take her medications, not to take it. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, it's progressing a little faster, too. So mm-hmm. and I can't convince her that it's good for her. So anytime she can trick me, she does. You know? <laughs> Do they come in liquid form? Maybe you can put them in her coffee in the morning. Maybe. I thought of that, but we tried some of the, like the Zoloft and the Seroquel in her wine, which is a whole different issue. And that was just not appropriate. It didn't work. Mm-mm, no. Especially mixing alcohol with it. So has she been drinking throughout her life? Is this something she's always done? Yeah, she's always had a glass of wine here or there. Mm-hmm. But she was never a problem drinker. I'm in a 12-step group for almost 40 years now. So there's always been wine in the house and alcohol. And she's always taken her wine and had her drinks. And at about two years into this, I noticed she was starting to drink more. And by the time we hit a year ago, it was becoming a problem. And it reached a problem situation so much that I would walk in the house and find her passed out with things all around her, you know, the kitchen chairs upstairs in the bedroom, and I have no idea what was going on. So at that point, I couldn't leave her alone anymore. And I, the alcohol, she would, she would hunt it at night until she found more. So what I ended up doing after about six months of dealing with that kind of alcoholic drinking, which is what it was. And and she's mentioned a couple of times, she just wanted to check out. That's why she was doing it. But I substituted non-alcoholic wine slowly Mm-hmm. by doing half and half and then a two-thirds and a third. And now she drinks wine every night, but it's not alcoholic wine. And she just talks about how smooth it is. So Really? So she has no idea? Really, she has no idea. No. And does, does it calm her down, the non-alcoholic I don't know. Part? She doesn't go for that full second bottle. She she would drink two bottles of wine at night if I let her, and she'd be just on the floor. She's and, so and, it was, and belligerent, too, and very belligerent. Yeah, she's tiny. So mm-hmm. she was really drinking it to escape. and. You know, I felt bad. I just figured, you know, let her have whatever she wants at this point, stage of the game. But, you know, she fell, she fell a couple of times. We had a couple of trips to the hospital. So I had to end all that. Good for but you. She doesn't seem to hold on to it. She doesn't seem to know the difference. So, yeah, she doesn't remember. No. You probably remember the trips to the hospital and finding oh her on the floor, but she doesn't. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. Oh, Snuffy, that's a hard road. So good for yeah. you. Yeah. I don't know what it's like for normal folk, but <laughs> well, it's hard it's for been everyone. A tough five years, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. Also, so, I you know I didn't realize that I had to take over everything, all the responsibilities of the home, and luckily we didn't have boys still, or I pretty much couldn't have done it. 
But mm-hmm. I've had to take over the managing of our home and all those things, as well as find caregivers for her. It's been pretty stressful. That sounds like it. In terms of finding the caregivers, how did that go? Was she open to that? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, we tried a few times. And mm-hmm. basically, anyone who wasn't in the inner circle was immediately the enemy. And she got rid of them by hook or by crook. Mm-hmm. And uh, she would just she would just send them home. If if I had somebody come in and then I left for a little bit, she would just send them home, and they would go. So that didn't work. What did work was I pulled in my old assistant, whose mother had had Alzheimer's, and I pulled her in and got her to start coming over as a buddy. Wasn't as a caretaker, just coming over as a buddy and drive her to the barn and hang out in the afternoon and have lunch and. Then I added another caregiver about a few months ago who was 40 hours a week. And there was another connection through another friend there. So they had something to talk about and a basis to build a, some kind of a relationship on. Mm-hmm. And she just loves Mari now. That's so great. now I've got two caretakers that one does maybe 25, 30 hours a week. One does 40 hours a week. And then I have a housekeeper that comes a couple of days a week. And the housekeeper's been with us for 34 years. I mean, the housekeeper's been with us since we moved in together, so she's family. So, you know, I've had to center it around people that were a known entity to her and that she felt comfortable with. Yeah, that makes sense. They weren't coming in to take care of her. They were coming in because they knew her, they were friends before. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to weave in people. Well, and I had shoulder surgery, so I said, I have to have somebody for me. So that's when I brought Mari in. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just flowed very organically into her being here five days a week. Are they there at night, too? No, I've had a few overnights. I really love them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Marta, my housekeeper, who's been with us all these years, she'll stay and spend the night. And you know, then I don't have to follow Deb around at night because she's a wanderer at night. Hmm. My whole property's locked down. But if I leave the gate open or something one time, you know, I'm asking for trouble. She does wander and she gets up in the in the nighttime. She'll lay down for a little while and then she'll get up and wander around the house. And when I did have somebody 24-7, I wasn't so on edge every time she got out of bed and left the room. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had to chase her, which was great for me. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't think I'm cut out for having somebody live with us. Nor am I cut out to follow her around for the next 10 years. So You don't know how long this is going to last. Yeah, and lately, there used to be some things associated with drinking that were she would use the bathtub instead of a toilet or things like that. Now that's happening without any alcohol. Is that right? Fact, two out of the last three nights it's happened. So mm-hmm. there's a incontinence factor that's going on now where she's just not, mm-hmm. she can't put it together enough to put the, the toilet together she just kind of goes so so does that mean you're following her into the bathroom to help no her? i don't i just get surprises all the time so <laughs> uh, so it probably would be helpful to have someone at night to be awake and maybe probably if i was if i was going to keep her here i would probably go 24-hour care but i don't i don't think i'm going to so you're not going to keep her at home no i don't think so i did i've done it for five years and it's really been rough so it sounds like it. I'm not a caretaker type. I, I can barely take care of myself, <laughs> much less somebody else. And I feel like when I'm alone with her, you know, she's not on enough of a schedule with food or with activities or 
mm-hmm. uh, joyous thing. She seems actually much better with other people than she does with me. She kind of gets quiet and not sullen, but very quiet when she's with me. And she kind of perks up when she's with. She perks up when she's with other people. She'll dance around the kitchen with them. She does all kinds of fun stuff now, as long as I'm not around. So. <laughs> well, I guess that enables you to work because you're still working. So you're able to get into your office and do some work while she's dancing around the kitchen with the caregivers. That's, that's true. She used to follow me out here continually. Every 15 minutes, she'd be out in my studio when I was recording or something. And now it's maybe once a day. Hmm. She also, when I would have the boys come over to kind of take a bit of the load off me, she would hang out with the boys as long as I did. But as soon as I would go upstairs, within 10 minutes, she'd follow me upstairs. So mm-hmm. The boys never got a sense of what it was like to care for her. Mm-hmm. And also, I never got the break. And I think it's crucial. For someone like me, it's crucial to have the quiet time. So I grab it at night after she goes to sleep, mm-hmm. which throws my schedule off. But at least I get some quiet time. It's just mine. Yeah, you need it. And especially if at night you're kind of sleeping with one eye open. You've got to be pretty tired all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I might you, just take a nap right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, there you go. You can doze off while we're talking. Perfect. <laughs> What's your thought in terms of moving her out of your home? Do you have kind of a timeline in your head or some line in the sand when this happens? The incontinence is a line for me. The reverting to having to care for her like a small child mm-hmm. is a line for me. And I've dealt with tons of guilt about this because all along... I've known that there's certain things I just, I can't do or I'm not willing to do. And lately, in the last six months, I've felt like she's not safe with me because we've had a couple of falls and split her head open and gone to the emergency room with ambulances and stuff. But we're kind of reaching a new level now. But the guilt that I've dealt with has been horrendous. Even when I would look at a place, I felt like I was betraying her and abandoning her. And I never mean to do that, but... Somebody brought up to me recently, a therapist actually, said, your boys are losing their mom a little at a time. They can't afford to lose both parents. So you have to put on the oxygen mask and take care of you so you're there for them. And that's the first thing that started to kind of brush away some of the guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, realize I, that the boys do need somebody. They can't lose me too. And and I know caretakers have a tendency to go before the, that's right. the patient. So, you know, I really... I've really been taking my own temperature, and it's it's gotten markedly worse in the last year for me. Mm. Harder. The dealing with the depression, and I get out of the house, and I come out to my studio, which is on the property, but now I'll just sit. And it's a form of depression for me. I, I don't feel like working or making music. I just feel like I just need to relax whenever I'm not on duty, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I deal with depression anyway. Hmm. You know, I'm a creative type, and we're all nuts. You know, <laughs> so I already take medication for all that. But you don't it, seem nuts. Yeah, that's been harder. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't seem nuts. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't been around for the last twenty years. Yeah. I, <laughs> when I hit about fifty, I, it all kind of came down on me because I was having the best run and you know the career that I never dreamed I would have. And yet, you know, I wasn't happy. So I had to go and deal with myself and having nothing to do with Deb, but having to deal with the fact that success and all that stuff is not the answer. Mm-hmm. This is blindsided because I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, And I just feel like I'm just getting a handle on it now. 
Yeah, and we were you were talking about that earlier about a successful career doesn't necessarily make you adept at handling dementia. It doesn't make me any good at this. No one is. And if there's a way to alleviate your guilt, I'm glad your therapist is helping you with that. And if I can help you with that in any way, absolutely. Well, you always do, Barbara. Aww. You always do every time we talk. <laughs> good. I'm glad. It's yeah. really, you have been a trooper through this with Deb. I've really tried. weathered a lot with her and have provided all this care for her in your house. Yeah, I'll tell you the one thing I'm absolutely sure I'm going to do. Hmm. Whatever the outcome, whether we go, I, I believe it's inevitable that she will need care in a facility. Mm-hmm. But I'm absolutely dedicated to making it as smooth as possible. I will have her caretakers from here come in. I've always said the three things I want for her is for her to be safe, for her to be comfortable, and to, for her to be as happy as I can make her. Hmm. So the happy and comfortable part will come with Having those familiar people around, I, I just can't imagine just dropping her off at a facility and leaving. Mm-hmm. So I will integrate that facility with with my own people. And also, you know, she has a dog that I got her that she's absolutely in love with. And so mm-hmm. I found a place that where she could keep her dog and he could live there in the room with her and that they would take care of the dog. And he can follow her to every activity and go with her all the time. And she said over and over and over again that dog saved her life. So that's that's great. important to me. That's absolutely, to me. yeah. Absolutely. Also, we have three acres here, so I also want her to have facility outside to go pick flowers and do what she does here at home. That's great. So you're trying to make the transition as hard as it's going to be as smooth as possible. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're all here for you when that eventually Thank happens. You. Yeah, of course. Looking back, is there anything you wished you had known before? Yes. You know, I went to some groups and I found the group was different because I'm accustomed to a 12-step group where the solution is solution-based. And when I went to the groups early on, everybody was more advanced than Deb. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like like kind of a bitch session. Mm-hmm. And then when I went recently, I heard something that I didn't hear when I first went. And all the men told me, don't be a hero. Mm-hmm. And that's really helped me swallow making the kind of move that I know that, that I'll make. I mean, I know I will get her in a facility sooner probably rather than later. And that coupled with the fact that they're already losing one parent have been really instrumental for me recently. I'll know how much it's soothed my guilt when I actually pull the trigger. At the moment, I still can't imagine pulling the trigger and yet we're getting very close. So, And I've always had issues with self-worth anyway. So, Putting myself before my spouse was always, always difficult for me. Always hard to do. Yeah. I hope that's some help to somebody out there. Yeah. Don't be a hero. (laughs) Don't be a hero. Absolutely. Take care of yourself, which is hard to do. You get lost, Barbara. You get lost in the little tiny things of caring for somebody and you don't realize you lose yourself. How wearing it is on you. Yeah. And that's more and more clear to me all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And although my boys don't don't want me to do that, I know I'm going to bring up some emotions in them, maybe some anger, mm-hmm. but it'll be short term. They did spend a week with her where they were taking care of her and they got a taste of what I've done for five years. That was very smart of you to do that. So can they well, see how difficult it is? They can see how difficult it is, but they know I can handle it. Oh. <laughs> Dad's going to rise but to the occasion. They're, they're starting to get it. They really mm-hmm. are. They're starting to understand. And if they don't understand, 
then, you know, if they're angry at me, I'll risk their anger a little bit. And maybe sharing what your therapist said to you, which is I actually did with my youngest. I shared it the other night. He came over and spent the night. And I shared that with him and just let it soak in. Absolutely. That's the best I can do there. Because they're probably not seeing how hard this is on you, especially at night when you're up at night with her. Yeah. Well, they're starting to now. They they could tell when they'd come home and I was just fried. Mm-hmm. And that's why they gave me the week. They said, take a week, take two. Good. I, I took one. I couldn't take two, but I took one and just went to a hotel. Went to a friend's house and then to a hotel. Good for you. That's so In great. times of COVID, there's not much place to go. So Yeah, but you managed. You yeah. managed to get Now away. I've gotten gotten Deb's second shot is Tuesday and I've had both mine. So great. We're feeling like we're that's- starting to make some progress there. Anything else you want to share with our listeners that has been helpful to you? Only don't let the guilt get to you. Only you know, realize that you got to take care of yourself. As hard as it is to put yourself first, at least for me, you know, you've got to put on your oxygen mask before you can help somebody else. And I've neglected to do that in the last year, and I've, I've really suffered the consequences. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. So I can definitely feel it. Yeah. I feel 10 years older. Well, you don't look 10 years older. That helps. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, if I yeah. can just catch up to the way I look. Yeah. But we do say that in our support group, too, is feel the guilt and do it anyway. Yes. Yeah. As hard as some of these steps are, they're really important. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so hard. It takes everyone time. This is such a hard process for everyone. I do feel like Deb's reaching a better place. And I do feel like she's reaching a more accepting place of wherever she is. Is that right? So as, as long as she can build some relationships mm-hmm. there, and and then that's why I'll supplement it with my own people who she has great love for. I mean, she just hugs the caregivers when they leave and talks about them and how much she loves them. And mm-hmm. you know, I think if I can carry that into a facility where the people are are nice and loving and kind, she'll build relationships. So that's interesting. So as she's progressing in her dementia, she's getting easier. She gets, she's getting easier. Uh Maybe not as angry. The anger stopped with the drinking, really. And and she got a little depressed for a few weeks after the drinking, even though she was still drinking non-alcoholic wine. But all that's passed now. That's been months. That's great. And the good thing is she couldn't read the bottle, so she doesn't know she's drinking (laughs) non-alcoholic wine. And she's not throwing anything at you anymore. No, no, no. You're not ducking and weaving. No, no, not too much. (laughs) But she's, you know, some other things are starting to happen that are disconcerting. But in general, she's better. Not her comprehension or anything like that, but but her attitude and her being in the moment is so much better right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I assume that's going to stay the case as she begins to lose more and more of herself. She becomes more and more childlike. Yeah, I would agree. Well, you're the professional. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for having the courage to talk about your journey with Deb. I know it's hard. This is not an easy road. You know, my goal has been to help other people out there who are on the same journey. And so I'm just grateful for you for being here today. Well, if I can ever do anything to be a service to you or to your people, I'm happy to be a service to talk to somebody or share my experience. Always happy to. Oh, thank you. Safi, that's that means the world to me. So thanks. Thanks, Barbara.